No music. No music. No notes. No notes. Yeah, I'm going to edit this part out. Welcome to the Sworn Testimonies podcast, a podcast where we promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Today, I am interviewing my friend, Chase Minifield. What's up? What do you do? Chase is a former NFL player turned entrepreneur. Uh, The topic for today, when your life falls apart and you have to rebuild. Before we get started, how's your heart today? I'm doing good. I'm in a good space. I feel feel like I'm in a better space than, than I've been in a long time. So definitely, I feel like I'm good. That's so good to hear. Um, and then I have a follow-up question. I've been watching all of these Christmas movies on Lifetime, um, like obsessively. And mm-hmm. I have this thing about like wanting a Christmas miracle to happen in my life. I don't even know what the miracle is. I just really want that to happen for me. Um, yeah. Do you have a Christmas wish? Like what's your Christmas wish this year? Uh, Christmas wish. That's a, see, these are the type of questions that I know is about to happen in this podcast that I'm not prepared for. A Christmas wish. I'm not really a wisher. I'm more of a doer, if that makes okay. sense. So oh, yeah, uh, okay. But pretend my, you are a wisher. If you had a wish and there was a genie in front of you, like make a Christmas wish. What would it be? I wish I could be at two places at once. To be honest with you, because um, last year I got to go to the Lakers game on Christmas Day, and this year I got an ultimatum from my parents that I cannot go to the Lakers game on Christmas Day. <laughs> So I feel like instead of making people mad, I'm going to go home for Christmas this year. But honestly, I really want to be here at the Lakers for the, for the Lakers versus Clippers game. I'm so glad we have some masculine energy on this podcast. I, that like I would never answer something like that. Like nothing about like love or I don't know, like fairies, magic, just be two places at once. That's it. It's all you got. I really feel like that's a, that's the best Christmas present for me. Like I don't have like a thing that anybody can get me. Like I can get whatever I want to get myself. I'm at the, I'm 30 years old. What do I really expect? I don't got no kids. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not buying no gifts for nobody. My sister, oh, gosh. My sister even told me this year. She was like, "Listen, uh, you know, financially how I'm set up this year, ain't nobody getting no gifts." <laughs> so I was like, "All right, cool." I was like, "All right, cool. That's cool for me. I'm, I'm cool with that." Listen, let me not judge your answers. You and I, we've been friends for such a long time. Sometimes I ask myself, how are we friends? Because we are so different. Um, but I appreciate that about you. Uh, so we, there's one rule on this podcast. Um, mm-hmm. You have to tell the truth. You can plead the fifth one time. If I ask you a question, you don't want to answer. You're allowed to plead the fifth, but only once. Every other time you have to answer. I've known you like what? 13 years now since we were like 17 that's scary um i know you had a very specific idea about what your life would look like at 30 years old is this where you thought you would be like you talked about being single you don't have any kids um bachelor life not at all i definitely didn't think that this was where i would be at um i thought that i would have I mean, I've, you can. I, I had my story. I had my story laid all the way out. I thought I would still be in the NFL. I thought I'd be making multi million dollars. I thought I'd have a mansion with pool, uh, basketball court, all that good stuff inside. You know, the MTV crib style. Like I thought that was all going to come by twenty eight, twenty nine. Like that's what I expected. Um, that didn't end up happening for the NFL. Uh, I thought I would be married. Thought I would have kids. I thought that. Um, my space of life would be very comfortable doing what I love to do. When you think about that, where you thought you'd be versus where you are, and you're at a great space, like your business is doing awesome things and we'll get to that. Um, But how does that make you feel knowing that the life that you're living is not the life that you planned for yourself? 
I think my life is better than what I planned, to be honest with you now. Like, I thought that was great then, but now that I'm like, well, doing what I'm like, what God has put me at in life, I see it as being better than what I thought. I actually might have cut myself short, even though that sounded really good when I just said I wouldn't trade it for where I'm at now. That makes sense. Mm. I love hearing you say that. So um, to give you all some background, Chase and I have known each other since college, uh, University of Virginia. Whoop, whoop. He was a football player, I think, number 31. Is that your number? Uh, I started off at 31. and, and then I You were 31. Then you switched to 13. Don't tell me. You switched to 13. Is that right? That's correct. Look at me. I'm such a good friend. The first time, y'all, the first time Chase and I ever hung out back at UVA, um, we were in dorms and I was with a few of my friends and he was like, oh, I'm going to put a movie on since y'all are here. And I was like, okay, cool. What you about to put on? And he put on a tape of his high school highlights. You sure did. I will never forget that. And I'm not a sports person. I'm not a football person. Somehow that blossomed into a beautiful friendship. Memorable experience. So, what was that? <laughs> Memorable experience to see. You've never forgot it. You've never let it go. Like, you know what I'm saying? Listen, like, nobody crazy. has ever, <laughs> ever done anything like that with me. Usually I feel like I would have been like, okay, I'm leaving. We're not going to be friends. You're weird. Bye. Uh, right. But for whatever reason, I was intrigued by you. And I still am. Still, right. I've always been so intrigued by who you are. So you're playing at UVA. Um, you got drafted to play in the NFL. Can you talk about that? What happened after college? I didn't get drafted, actually. You didn't so get drafted. I hurt my knee. I was supposed to get drafted. I was supposed to get drafted. I had a first or second round grade. Got hurt in the NFL. This story is, like, out there now. Um, but just to give a little quick rundown, like, I was pretty, I was pretty decent in college. I had um, I was two time first team all ACC and I had ability or the opportunity to leave after my junior season to go to the NFL. Uh, chose not to go um, and play my senior year. Played my senior year, ended up getting hurt right before our bowl game, and basically it was an injury that kind of blacklisted me from NFL teams. They thought it was a scary injury, especially for my position. Um, it was like you know a situation where. Like if I put weight on my knee, like I, it would hurt just walking. So it was like, okay, this seems like somebody that's damaged goods type situation. So I ended up not being drafted. They didn't tell me I was blacklisted. I found out I was blacklisted after the draft was over. It was like, my agent was like, only two teams even was even considered drafting you. I was like, why didn't you tell me that in the beginning? I had to watch every pick of the draft. So um, what did that it, feel like? Like, what did that feel like that not terrible. being drafted? That was one of the worst mm-hmm. feelings of my life, uh, to be honest with you. Like sitting there, like the draft is three days, and it's like I don't know how many picks it is, but it's seven rounds, and I watched every single pick for three days, and I was like, okay, not this. And, and for somebody that literally thought that you could go on the first day, like you literally, like some people that don't know, don't that don't think they're going to go on the first day, they won't watch the first day, right? Like, I thought there's a possibility, like, shoot, I might mess around and go top 10. Who knows? They might be keeping a secret from me or something. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> let, me, let, me make sure, let me make sure I'm watching this. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I watched every single pick and ultimately ended up undrafted. Felt like, wow, like, this is, this is where we're at. And, you know, kind of what I do when I'm, like, I get back to my core self, if that, if that makes sense, like, um, they say like when things get tough, you do what you know. And what I know is working hard. So as soon as the draft was over, like a couple of my friends came over to my house. I didn't know they were coming, but they just know how I am. They were knocking on my door. They was like, all right, let's go. Let's go. Let's go to the, let's go work out. Um, right after the draft, you went to work out? Like literally like as soon as the last pick hit, like wow, we was outside working, running. We do things in Kentucky where we run outside. We don't, we, you know, we, we run outside, we push cars, like we do old school workouts. So that's the type of work we do. And um, yeah, we did that right after the draft. Like, I think there's something to say, like your, my fundamental self is that like my fundamental self is working hard. And I think that you'll hear that over and over in this story, whether it's relationally or business or sports. At some point you were playing for the Redskins, right? How did that happen? Yeah. So after the draft, they have this thing called undrafted free agents. And basically um, teams will call you and say, hey, we want you to sign with our team, even though we didn't draft you. 
they basically give you a shot to make the team type situation. So um, I was that for the Redskins, but they were, I was like a preferred guy. They knew that I had my, I was just coming off an injury and things of that nature. So they didn't force me to come back quickly, let me heal up and things of that nature. So I got to the Redskins, played pretty well once I got healed up and was ultimately about to be a starter for the team going into my rookie year and got hurt again, tore my ACL, knocked that season out the drain. Um, and, and yeah, I was back to square one again. You know, a lot of people talk about, or, you know, men wanting to be a professional athlete and make it to the league. You actually made it to the league. That was your dream, right? To make it to the league. It was, yes, it was. So what did that feel like? Like you made it, like, did you have this feeling of like complete, like, ah, like I, like I'm like, I'm that dude. Or did you make it and you were like, "Mm, this isn't what I thought it was going to feel like. Um, I would say it was a little bit of both. I, I was always like, since I was like, I never really had a chance to stop and smell the roses. There's a couple of times where I stopped and smell the roses and I was like, okay, like this is like, this is my dream. Like, this is it. Like Monday night football, Sunday night football. Like those are things that I've watched since I was two or three years old, four years old, five years old. And like dreamed of being out there doing those things and like the planes flying over the the stadium and all those different types of things like that. Like, yeah, that's 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 my dream. That was my dream uh, being out there doing that and having those experiences. Um, Now, essentially, when I first got to the Redskins, I was so mad and upset with the NFL and how I felt like I was. Um, I guess treated or um, how my situation was handled that it was, it was like animosity towards a chip on my shoulder. Like, I don't know if it's animosity toward anybody, but like animosity towards the system, if that makes sense. Like I'm about to prove everybody wrong. So it wasn't like mm-hmm. I was in there making friends or anything like that. Like, like you seen me and it seemed like something was like something was bothering me or like, oh, this guy, he's not guy to mess with type situation. So I never really had that experience of like, thank God for being in the NFL. Like it was always like, I got to prove everybody wrong type situation. Mm, so it sounds like making it wasn't enough for you. Like that was the beginning of the journey, but you had something else. Like what was your, what was your ultimate goal? Like what were you trying to prove or where would you have had to get for you in order for you to be like, wow, I've really made it. Being considered one of the best to do it is what it really was. And if obviously if you're considered one of the best to do it, then you get paid well, you play for a long time, all different types of things like that. But I thought that I had that type of ability. Um, I would say some of that goes back to my father who was considered one of the best during his time. He played in the 1980s. He's one of the 1980s all decade team NFL players. So one of the best of his generation. Um, So I think I had the same ability and I had that same, um, drive to be great. And I I think that recognition amongst your peers as being great at what you do was kind of what I was reaching for and getting. That's so interesting to me because we talk a lot just in general about being the best that you can be. And, you know, everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to be in first place. But this notion of being the best, mm-hmm. like, is it about what people think like is it is it an external thing if everybody recognizes me as the best then I'm happy is it a money thing if I become the best and I make x amount of dollars I have made it or is it an internal thing what did you feel like it was for you at the time respect respect Mm -hmm. like I feel like um a respect factor is given everybody might not like me everybody might not appreciate the things I do, but there was a respect level. Like if, if you go back and ask anybody that I played against in college, they probably wouldn't like me. I was probably a, a a-hole or anything else that you want to call it. Like that was that guy. Like I was the, I was the guy that, you know, would take it there. So, but at the end of the day, there was a respect level from not only from my side, but for those side, people that, you know, came told the line and were, able to bring their best and their best was tough for me to deal with. So I know you played for a little while. I think you were in the injured reserves list. Forgive me if I'm getting my football terminology wrong. I'm trying my best here. That's a lot of sports. (laughs) I wasn't expecting all this. I figured the sports segment would be about five seconds. 
listen, I've tried my best. You know, I want to get to the good stuff. I want to talk about your relationship. But before we get there, um, <laughs> where you were on the injured reserve list, I think, and then at some point you were let go. What did so that I, feel like, being let go? Before I got hurt with the Redskins, I was getting ready to start as a rookie. So I just worked my way back up to that point in, in over a two-and-a-half-year space where – Okay, now I'm back in a starting position, being looked at a starter on this team. Um, so I got that chance, uh, ended up getting a concussion in that game, couldn't finish the game, went on injury reserve for a concussion for about two weeks, and then they released me after those two weeks were over. And I never heard back from any team after that. So for you, I guess it was like, a well, football's over for me. Now nah. what do I do? Is that no? Nah, that wasn't the feeling at all. That was like <laughs> it was like all right, all right, they really done messed up now. You know, what I'm saying? they really done messed up now. I was I was about to like now I gotta show everybody. I gotta prove everybody wrong again. So I was literally working, training, um, like waiting for a call. Um, wrote letters to coaches, you name it. Like using every type of connection I could to try to get back in the league to prove myself. I'd had no idea. And, and, and it got to the point with the Redskins where I was like, all right, I'm tired of going up and down the roster. I didn't, I didn't agree with them releasing me. Um, and I was actually happy they released me because I was like, all right, I'm about to go to another team. I know somebody else want me and nobody else called me. And then I was like, let me call the Redskins back, see if they will, <laughs> see if we can start talking again. <laughs> you know so, um, but yeah, I mean, it was just tough. It was it's tough, it, and, it's, and it's something I vowed to never put my myself in again. Is feeling like you need something or someone more than they mm. need, and I would never put myself in that position again. And I think it started with the football Redskins, and um, I felt like I was in a situation where I needed them. I, as a person, felt like I needed the Redskins or an NFL team or the NFL to be who I am in this world. And so how did you how did you let go of that feeling? Like when you when you finally came to the realization that it wasn't going to happen, how yeah. did you move forward? Um, I had to find purpose. I had to find purpose outside of sport, and I had built an identity. My whole identity was sport. You just said like one of the first times that we hung out at UVA. Um, you know, I had my highlight tape on. Like football, being a football player is my identity. Was my identity. Um, mm-hmm. my dad was a football player. I played sports my entire life from three all the way up, like have all the trophies, still got all the trophies. I was at my house not recently. And I was like, mom, we need to bring this trophy from upstairs, put it in the main, put it in the main room. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this is a good trophy mm-hmm. right here. So, uh, like I had that identity of like sports accomplishments and this is who the world recognizes me as. So mm-hmm. it took me a long time to get over that and realize that, there's more to why you're here on this earth. There's more that God has a plan for you for. There's more purpose to that than this. It's disrespectful to your family, yourself, God, that you are shortcoming your potential based off of a limited mindset. Mm. I think that's so good, right? Like, Man, the things that we cling to in terms of identity, even for me, you know, like getting ready to jump into a new stage career wise, I had to go through a period of letting go of the title lawyer or walking into a room and telling people, oh, I'm a lawyer. And there's just a certain level of respect that comes with that title. People are already thinking about, you know, your intelligence and your capability and what you can do. And I've literally had people treat me completely different after I introduce myself and tell them what I do. And it's so hard not to tie your identity to that thing. And I had to kind of do this mental shift of like, okay, if I walk into a room and I tell people I'm a writer and an entrepreneur and I have a podcast, is the level of respect going to be the same? And it sounds so silly, Uh, But it's so hard to pull yourself away. Like I can imagine for you walking into a room and telling people you play for the NFL um, and then not being able to do that anymore. Like what that must have felt like. Oh, it was terrible. Like I had to really go through the process and it took a year. This was not a short period of time. So don't think I'm thinking of it like I got over this in a weekend. Like it took a year, a solid year for me to find new purpose. 
and I had to like I deleted you'll never see you like I won't post football. I'm just starting to like put like football old football pictures on my like stories. I won't put it on my page. But I, w- I went for like there was a time when I was just like I'm deleting everything that has to do with NFL. You won't see nothing about no Redskins. You won't see none of that stuff attached to me as far as on my social profile. Um, cause I look at that the most, that's where my hours are at. Right. Like that's my, like you look at my phone and you see my usage, like you're going to see Instagram, you know, Facebook, all these different types of things. And as soon as I looked at those things, what did I have pictures of who I think I am? And that mm-hmm. was, that was football pictures and it was accomplishments and all these different types of things. So I had to reinvent who Chase Minifield was and I found it through entrepreneurship and business and creating, like finding a purpose for why I wanted to do business. I love that you were able to find purpose. I know I want to ask you a few questions about that a little bit later because I, you know, I have so many friends or people that just come up to me like you feel, you seem so clear in what your purpose is and what you were putting, put on this earth to do. How did you know, or how did you find that thing? Um, And it's hard, like, Mm -hmm you know, letting go of who you thought you were supposed to be and really tapping into, okay, who did God create me to be? These gifts that I have, my experiences, my talents, my resources, what can I put all of these things together? Like, how can I put them together and turn it into something? Uh, but before we get to your business, I know at the at the time you were dating a beautiful young woman who you proposed to, um, shortly after you stopped playing, that engagement ended. Uh, mm-hmm. What happened? What happened there? Um, so this is an interesting story. So my dating history is kind of sparse. So I never put anybody before football. Uh, I also want to. I want to interject too because I don't know if you're going to out yourself on this. Um, Chase used to have like a three month rule. He would date people. He was that person for three months. And then be like, all right, I don't want this to get too serious because football has to come first. And I was like, "Mm, I don't know how I feel about that, but keep going. These are facts. Um, So I never put anything before my dream or my goal, especially in um, sports, so football. So if I felt like it was anything that was taken away from that, I would move on. So, yeah. In college, I had the infamous three-month rule. I don't know if anybody else has done that in the – in the in the history of University of Virginia, but yes, that's a fact. Don't um, do it. I don't believe in it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, I never really gave anybody else that much time of mine, if that makes sense. So when I but I had this like I thought that I had this belief in myself. I am an Aries, so if anybody knows anything about Aries, like I'm really confident. I think that you know if I want to make it happen, I can make it happen. So I had that same type of like belief like as soon as I decided to end my three-month rule like I think I can turn it I can turn a situation into a marriage and like be with the person I want to be with and go from there so that's what I thought was going to be with this relationship that I first that I got into um you know lady that you know I, I had love for we were very well connected um and you know we we spent all, the, all our times together so you know it was a situation where um, I did end up proposing to her. And I, and I did propose like after I got cut. And I don't know if that was a situation of me like feeling like I need it. I'm losing something that I love, but let me make sure I don't lose two things that I love, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So yeah, that, that, that could have definitely been a thought process of mine uh, when I reflect on it. But yeah, that was a situation where we were together from me leaving UVA all the way through my NFL career. And it felt, it was tough just because the fact of it was a situation where I always felt like I could be in control of a situation. Mm-hmm. And if I wanted to make it work, I could make it work. And it might be coming from my three month situation that I used to do. Like if I didn't want to make it work, I just did stop making it work. Right. And if I wanted to make it work, I could make it go on forever. And I realized I'm not in control. God put me in situations where I realized, like, Chase, you're not in control. You can't control these situations. And through that engagement and us eventually calling off our engagement, I realized. So when you say, you know, we're going to talk, we're going to be real on this podcast. When you say calling off the engagement, who called it off? Did you call it off or did she call it off? No, she called it off. Mm, How did that feel? Like I wasn't in control. And Mm. I was like what can I do 
outside of this situation. And there was a lot of things that were going on behind the scenes. Um, but I felt like it was out of my control. The more that I, at that time, I felt like it was out of my control. There's probably some things I could have done better, of course. Um, but essentially me, I felt like I was putting my best foot forward to try to make things work. And it wasn't my decision. Did you cry? Of course. I cried multiple times. Um, I cried in front of, a front of, in front of her. I cried by myself. I, I let out aggression. Like I broke things. I was, I mean, I was mad. It is what it is. I was mad. I was depressed. I, I had multiple stages of trying to know why. I don't. I, I guess it's a situation like where, almost, almost like a football. When you, when I lost football, like why is this happening? Mm-hmm. You know, even talking to you and having known you for so long, I know that. Yeah, a lot of what you went through was very painful and hurtful in different ways, but it really has turned you into a person that is so self-aware and honest and vulnerable and thoughtful. And I I love that. Like, I love the chase on the other side of the storm. Do you feel that way? Like, do you feel like you're a, I don't want to say better because I thought you were great back then, um, but do you feel like what you've been through has been a benefit in the long run? I needed it. I needed it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a shell of what I was supposed to be. And I needed that time to God. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure God put me in that stove to help me be who I need to be going forward in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm happy. I wasn't happy at the time, but I'm happy that I went through that because I, I didn't and I didn't know why I was going through it. But eventually I figured it out. And, you know, I found I look back into the situation when I, when you stop being mad and you try to like, you know, you can you can you can just start to take things as they are. I was able to start to reflect and figure out, like, learn more about myself and understand that you're not a perfect person. You're far from, you know. You, what are your faults? Like, you like to control things. You like to uh, feel like, you know, you're the best thing since whatever. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, I wasn't emotional, vulnerable. Like, there was a lot of my football traits that I brought into real life. And I don't think those two things can mix. So, you know, me being able to reflect on myself, grow individually. Um, I've always been very spiritual. Um, but I always, I never really thought to like, you know, like kind of like go inside out, if that makes sense. Mm, Uh, It does. Yeah. So just practically speaking, I know that for a lot of people, a broken engagement or, you know, ending a marriage, ending any type of relationship, honestly, when everything is so social now is, it's, it's like a two part fear. Like first you're afraid of, you know, how do I handle this situation and, and walk in a space where I used to do life with this person and now I don't anymore? Like, how do I personally handle that? But then it's also, you know, what are people going to say? What are people going to think? We've posted all these pictures together. Uh, so how did you navigate the public perception of your relationship, especially having been in the NFL and having all these people, you know, all these eyes on your profile and watching you? Did you make a formal announcement? Did you hit up your friends individually? Like, hey, this isn't a thing anymore. Like, how do you navigate that? I didn't really. I, I, I'm very impulsive. <laughs> That's an Aries trait. Aries trait is impulsiveness. So, like, block, um, get people, like, c- cut off people that was, you know, like, like, delete Instagram friends, all those different types of things. Like, I'm moving on kind of like my identity's changed. Like I'm moving on, like I'm going to the next thing. And um, I really just had to like wipe my hands clean. That's how I did it socially. I didn't post nothing. Got all, got rid of all those pictures, deleted all the pictures in my phone. I might sound crazy, but that's just what I did. To be honest with you, like I deleted. I everything. don't think you sound crazy. I, you know, it's just, it's something that people don't talk about. Like when something ends, how do you navigate it publicly? And I don't, even think you told me, I think I was like telling a friend about you probably telling some crazy story and ended up on your Instagram page and noticed that 
you know, you had deleted all the pictures of your relationship. And I think I hit you up like, yo, what's going on with you? Like, what's happening? Yeah. What you mean? What's happening? I'm about to go ahead. I'm about to go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, goodness. Um, so, you know, in that entire, like that entire situation that you went through, if you could go back to yourself at your lowest moment, what advice would you give yourself? Breathe. That's what I would tell myself. Breathe. Like, I'm not even somebody that like deals with a lot of anxiety, but I was anxious, anxiety high, um, couldn't sleep, wasn't eating. Like, this is just after I lost the NFL. Like, this is not too long after that. So now I feel like, oh, two loves down the drain. What am what is wrong with what I'm doing and how I'm living life and why is this happening to me? And I didn't know who I was. I was figuring out, you know, like business, all those different types of things. Like this was a real low point. Um, you know, we were living together. We were in the same house. I didn't even want to be at the house. All those different types of situations. Like it was like, what can I do next to get out of this space? But sometimes you got to sit with yourself. Mm. And that what that's what I was struggling with at the beginning was sitting with myself and my mess of what was going on and mm. figuring out like where to go next. But you can never get to the next until you know why you are where you are. Mm. Sitting with yourself. That is so important. Like whew, when things are bad, it's so easy to find a new hobby, a new person and just move on to the next thing and not deal with your mess, but to actually sit in it and to sit alone in silence and allow yourself to feel and process it. It's terrible. I hate having to do that, but it's the only way I believe to navigate through something like that successfully uh, and to really, to like learn your lessons, right? Like if you're moving on too quick to the next thing, you're not actually taking time to learn the lessons you're supposed to learn. That's 100. That's 100%. Like, I feel like if you move on too quickly, you're just going to make the same mistakes. I heard this story about um, like a broken finger and how if your finger is broken and you don't go fix it, like you don't take it to go, um, you don't go to the the doctor to get fixed. It might heal on its own, but it might heal like improperly. Oh yeah, you ever seen football players? And then you have y'all should look at football players' hands. Them hands be looking like they're throwing up gang signs. (laughs) No, literally, (laughs) gosh. Um, But how so many times, like you think that just like pushing forward with your finger is the best thing to do, but in reality, like the bonding might actually be cause more damage than the breaking itself. Like you trying to move forward and do what you got to do might actually make the finger worse than it was. Um, so I'm, I'm proud of you for taking that time. Thanks. So how, I guess, for people that are feel like they had this vision for their life and the vision drastically changed and shifted, um, how did you get out of that space from feeling like, okay, the two things that I loved are gone. I have to figure out how to move on. I know you talked about you know, trying to get back to your old self and who you were before the NFL, who you were before the relationship, but like what practical tools, like what did you do to get to a new space? Um, Practical tools, I would probably say is being grateful. Gratefulness and hurt is hard. Gratefulness and hurt is extremely hard. Um, And you start to push away. And you really have to find the good and the positive and your situation. And that was kind of like sitting with yourself, kind of that same concept. But I think that grateful is another part of that. Without gratefulness, I continue to dig my hole deeper. When I got Mm in, when I started to become grateful and thankful, I was able to say, you know, today's a good day. Today is a Mm -hmm. good day. You know, what is it? What's the saying? Today is the day the Lord has made, right? Mm-hmm. And once I got to that point, I was able to start taking positive steps. I was able to start stop sulking 
stop being in a space where I'm trying to fit, living in the past. Like I was, you know, like let's take today and let's make today the best day that we can make this day. And that's kind of where my business started. Like let's, let's start thinking positively. Let's start figuring out what we can do next. Let's, let's, let's stop hanging on to what was. Let's stop hanging on to what was and let's be thankful for God giving me another opportunity and another day to breathe air and to have impact. Mm, one day at a time. That's so important because trying to look at too far in the future can feel so overwhelming. But when you think to yourself, like, I only have to get through today and today is a good day. Like, I think being present and mindfulness, people throw those words around a lot. Like, but what does it really mean? Being able to wake up and be like, wow, my hands work, my feet work. I'm alive. I have a breath in my lungs. There's hope for a future. Like, I'm, it's a good day today. Things can be a lot worse. Things could be a lot worse than what you're going through. I'm sitting here going through a situation where I'm playing in the NFL. I just got out of the NFL. I was just in a great relationship and I'm acting like my life is over. There's people that are homeless, drinking dirty water. Like there's some real life, real situations going on. And I can't, I'm not taking advantage of the day in front of me because of really what was blessings I'm seeing as losses, if that makes sense. No, it does. And, you know, I do want to say to you, I, I think it's important not to compare pain either. Like those, the losses that you experience, they might not be as dramatic or life-threatening as losses that other people experience, but you still felt what you felt. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I felt what I felt, but then I, I was really, I was really like, like, if I was going through something else, could I survive that? And at the end of the day, I felt like I wasn't going to be able to survive. And I feel like that's not, that's not me. Like, that's mm-hmm. not me. I, I must, I survive. Like I push forward. That's, that's who I am. And those were uncharacteristic thoughts of mine. Mm. And that happens. Like disappointment sometimes makes us act out of character. All of us. Some people are angry some people are in denial. Some people are anxious. Some people are depressed. Um, but I, I would say that that's a normal part of being a human. As much as I hate the word normal, um, because what does normal really mean? I think that's a everybody experiences those feelings to some extent. Um, so jumping into your business, how did you? I, I know you're the CEO and founder of Helping Hands LLC. Um, yep. How how did that happen? Like, how did you go from being like, football is my calling to becoming an entrepreneur? Um, I would say that. So I came home from NFL, Redskins cut me and I was at the house and I was looking around families and friends. They're doing the same thing. Seemed like they're struggling to get jobs. Seem like they're going in and out of the system based off like small things like unpaid child support and things of that nature. And I'm like, this is nobody's progressing. Like this is a this is a generational curse that's going on. And um, I hate to see it. And I'm not going to see it and not try to do anything. So I tried to create a company that first and foremost was going to give jobs to my friends and family in Lexington, Kentucky, that I could hire them if nobody else was going to hire them. And, you know, it's not like we're paying like $100,000 salaries or anything. Like, no, you get paid for the hours that you put in. And I'm going to try to get us some jobs that you can come show up and do work. And that's where Helping Hands started. Helping Hands started with us trying to do move-in days. So I would bring my cousins and me and some friends and we would go to uh, apartment complexes at universities and move in the students. We started there. They tried to tell us like, hey, you guys do a good job. You work hard. You're respectful. And, you know, we really like working with you, but we're not going to we don't put aside money to help people for people to help people move in. <laughs> we don't put aside money for that. <laughs> we put aside money for like getting these dorms and units ready for the students to move into like that's where we're putting our money at 
So I'm like, so what does that consist of? And they're like cleaning, painting, um, different things of that nature. And I'm like, I don't know if we can paint, but I I know for sure they can clean. You know what I'm saying? So uh, that's kind of where we started at. We've kind of built up our reputation now um, to where we do things like security services and other things like that. But it started off with my um, thought process to use my position to help people around me. So basically, if I'm hearing you right, um, you looked at the problems that you had in your life and you were trying to find a solution and that's how you came to purpose, just trying to solve a problem. Yeah, yeah. So trying to trying to solve a problem, not really like an industry problem or anything like that. Well, maybe it is. Maybe it's like a maybe it's like a um a um a life problem like that without that I was seeing in my city and amongst my family, if that makes sense. No, it does. And it's so interesting because when people come to me about finding purpose, one of the things I ask them is, what does your heart break for? And, you know, I'm a very emotional person. Uh, In other words, for people who are not as emotional, like, what do you care about? What affects you? Like, you were affected by the fact that you had people in your area who didn't have opportunity and you decided to solve that problem. Somebody else might not be as affected by that, but they might watch the news or, you know, see a kid on the street who is barefoot and it might affect them. Why does that kid not have shoes? I'm going to jump in and do something about it. Um, For me, I know it's a lot of storytelling. I think growing up watching inspiring stories where there were always people who looked like me was really frustrating because I coming from a small town, a lot of what I knew about the world came from TV and movies. And I was like, I want to tell stories that are more inclusive so that people from small towns who aren't white with blue eyes and blonde hair have somebody to look up to when they have reference for who they can be when they grow up. Um, That was a problem that affected me as a kid. And so that's kind of how I fell into the storytelling space. Um, but I, I love that you share that. And, you know, for any listeners out there who are trying to figure out, you know, their purpose or what's next, I think it's a great idea to pay attention to what your heart breaks for. Um, so with your company, Helping Hands LLC, what is your ultimate goal? Like, where will you be when you finally have that feeling of I made it? Or do you already feel like you made it? No, I feel like we're doing good. Like, I'm, I'm, who would have never thought? Who would have ever thought that we would be five years into business, we'd be a multi-million dollar company, and we would have you know like six or seven locations around the country, um, where not only are they not, it's not just like a system where I am making money off these locations, but I'm helping my former teammates transition out of sports and providing them with a position of entrepreneurship and a business plan, a business model that they can take the horns by the, take the, take the bull by the horns and, you know, try to try to get over that identity of sports, that sports identity that I struggled with so bad. So not only am I finding purpose on the local level with my friends and family that I'm providing them with jobs and work and, you know, helping them feed their family. But at the same time, I'm helping on a national level with some of my friends around the country uh, as far as former teammates that I know as soon as they're done playing football, they're going to go through the same thing that I went through of not knowing who they are, what to do, um, and how to go about that. Mm-hmm. So I, knowing you, I know that that is all very genuine and authentic, um, but you don't have any financial goals or do you have financial goals? Does the money um, not matter? Of course money matters. I mean, at the end of the day, like we still got to, we still got bills to pay all those different types of things like that. Like, yeah, I got goals. I want to be like, I want to chase Hove. I want to chase Hove down. Like that's one of my goals. <laughs> like, like I want to be like recognized, um, or not recognized, I would say, but I want to be able to, I think the, um, I got to be challenged. Let's let's put it that way. I got to be challenged. If I'm not challenged, then I'm not doing what my job is on earth. And that's so interesting to me. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think it's fair to generalize, but I think with a lot of 
male entrepreneurs, especially when, you know, I've listened to some podcasts, a lot of the talk is about like how to make as much money as possible or how to get rich or how to turn $10 into a million dollars, which money is important. I'm not money driven personally, but I recognize that money is an important asset. Um, What would you say to people who have made chasing money, their sole focus or motivation? Money doesn't bring you happiness. Um, like, I mean, I think that it will take care of bills. It'll allow you to be financially free, travel, whatever you want to do. But at the end of the day, you still got to come home and live with yourself. And I think that is one thing that I am, I'm able to do now, I would say, is to be happy with who I am. If that makes sense. Be happy with who I am. What, are you making mean? more money now than when you played in the NFL or are you making more money then? No, I make more money in a year. So my contract for the NFL was like three years and my I can make in one year what my three-year contract was. So that's currently, and that's just off of what we're doing now. So Wow. Got- so you're making more money now, even though the NFL for you originally was connected to being able to make lots of money. You've found a way to do that like in a different path. Yep. That's awesome. I love that. And you were recently named um, Forbes 30 under 30, right? I'm an, I'm an alum now. They just, they just released the 2020 list. So I was on the 2019 list, but yeah, I was, I was on there. It was pretty cool. What an accomplishment. Um, man, I remember you telling me I want to be on the Forbes list and I was like, okay. And you were like, I'm gonna figure out how to make it happen. And I was like, Okay. Um, and I know I was featured in Forbes last year and you were like, I'm going to be featured in Forbes too. And within a few months you were on the list. I think hey. that's just like <laughs> such a testament to who you are, like your ability to kind of like jump into a situation and make things happen. Um, Get around people that challenge you. What, what motivates you to do that? Like, where do you get the motivation for self-discipline? Because so many people struggle with discipline. And I'm not saying I'm the greatest at discipline. I need to be like, that's one of the things that I'm constantly like challenging myself on is being more disciplined, whether it's like food. That's one of my, that's one of my least disciplined things. Ice cream. You love ice cream. Yeah. yeah ice cream. Man. The other day I tell this story the other day, this is when I realized I had a discipline problem with food was I was out here at the Lakers game and I'm literally right across from Staples Center. So I'm downtown LA and Every day after the game, there's something going on in the Staples Center every day. And those little those those people with the hot dogs on the little stands, they out there every day almost. They out there every day almost. I'm not even going to the game. I don't went downstairs like how much is that hot dog? How much is that hot dog? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's when I realized I had a discipline problem when it comes to food because I ain't never wanted no freaking hot dog outside in the outside cooked on that little thing. And I was like, oh, that's only five dollars. Oh yeah, give it to me with the peppers and everything else on there. I was like, yeah, so I got a problem with that. But um, essentially, like, discipline for myself, like, when it comes to work, has never really been that much of a problem for me. Um, And I don't know if that's football or what it is, but I've built routine that I've been able to hold myself accountable to. And I I remember when I was in college, I told myself, if you're going to write it down, like, when I was creating, like, workouts, I'd be like, if you're going to write it down on this piece of paper – you're going to do it. Hold yourself to that. Mm. And I was able to do that. And then when it, when I started my business, I was like, because I still do like to-do lists and things of that nature. And I was like, if you're going to write it down, finish it. And mm. over time, over days of finishing tasks, task after task after task, day after day after day, you look back and you've gone, you've grown 10x, 20x in business. In football, you've gone from just a freshman to all ACC. You know, so holding myself accountable and being who I say I am. And I guess like a real fundamental fact is like, if you're going to write it down and let's write down something small, like, all right, I'm going to do like, uh, like for for when I was doing football and I was training, I'd be like a hundred sit-ups and you know, this, 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 like, I'm not going to stop three quarters of the way just because like it's hard or it's hurt. Like, can I, can I hold myself to the fact that like, I'm going to finish this workout no matter if it takes me 30 minutes or two hours. but Not I'm negotiating f- with yourself, just doing it. It's going to finish it. Yep. And over time, you'll realize that um, 
you realize that, you know, you've accomplished a lot. You accomplished a lot. So, um, and a lot of people can't do that. And I was talking to a group of students the other day at UK and I was like, a lot of people in entrepreneurship won't be successful in entrepreneurship because they can't sit at home with nobody watching and do work like somebody's watching. Yo, preach. It is so easy to like get on social media and take a picture of yourself doing something and get lots of validation and then use that as fuel. But to sit at home when nobody is watching in the middle of the night and get it done is such an important skill, especially for any aspiring entrepreneurs. And I'm glad we talked about this um, because I, I hear a lot of people talking about entrepreneurship and they talk about having a vision and a dream and finding purpose and what are you passionate about? And all of those things are important, right? The creativity, the art, I'm very much supportive of all of that. And I you know, consider myself a creative person. But one of the reasons that I'm so glad that I went to law school is that I had to learn discipline. I had to learn how to read ridiculously immense amounts of work. Even when I was uninterested, I had to learn to sit for hours at a time to get through difficult material. I had to pass the bar exam. Gosh, the studying process for that. I'd wake up every day at 8 a.m. and study until 8 p.m., 12 hours of studying straight every day for three months. Um, and while I'm obviously trying to take a different path now, I'm so thankful for the discipline that I learned. And I, it sounds like you learned a lot of that same discipline from football because it makes all the difference. Like everybody wants to talk about success and how did you get there? But when you start telling people to be disciplined, they're like, Oh, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good on, I'm good on the discipline. Discipline is a, is a, is a, is a non-negotiable. Like you really can't, like if you want to accomplish anything, you'll be mediocre forever without discipline. Mm, you quote of the day, you will be mediocre forever without discipline. Uh, and you are definitely one of the most disciplined people I know, you know, so people might see your success and hear about how well your company's doing and be tempted to feel jealous uh-uh. There ain't no jealousy to feel in this situation. All you should feel is motivated because if you were as disciplined as if, any, if people were half as disciplined as you are, as I know you to be, I feel like people would be a lot more successful in their endeavors. So kudos to you for that. Hey, let's go get it. I, hopefully that it motivates everybody. Like that's all it takes is discipline. And I'm going to be like mm, about 80, 90 percent of it is going to be discipline. Right. Like there, there's, there might be some serendipity involved or knowing the right people or, you know, people love to talk about networking in LA, like, Oh, I'm going out to network and I'm going to give them my business card. I'm like, okay. So you met a person and you handed over a card, but you have no work product. Like I've had so many people tell me, you know, I want to be a writer and can, like, can you help me? Can you introduce me to your editors? And I'm like, yeah, okay. Send me over some writing samples and they don't have any. And I'm like, how do you have no work product, but you are out networking? That doesn't even make sense to me. Yeah, I don't even like networking, to be honest with you. Like I get like I start feeling like anxious if I'm not like in front of my computer, sending emails and pushing my business forward. Like when I'm networking, I feel like I'm taking days off. That's how I feel. But um, that's just yeah, you're a, you're a special character. I, I, I mean, <laughs> being in the world and meeting people is a good thing, not a bad one. Y'all, Chase, he's the person to show up to an event and be there for 20 minutes. And then you are looking for him and he's like ghosted and gone and didn't say anything to anybody. What is that called? An Irish goodbye? Is that is that racial? I don't want to call it an Irish goodbye. That feels wrong. I, I All the Irish people I know are so lovely. Yeah, that just happened recently, actually. I can't remember where I was at, who texted me. Oh, yeah, I was with my friend, and we was out at some bars and, uh, in Lexington, and, and I just left randomly. And he was like, did you leave? I was like, yep. Everybody knows that, though. If you've been around me, you already know, like, I can slip out real quick and be gone. Like, it's not it's not nothing. It's not nothing crazy, nothing to worry about. Like, I'm good, but I'm out. Uh, listen, I, I know that about you now. So if I see you for a few minutes, I don't even expect to see you again. I'm like, he's leaving. It's fine. Hey, enjoy the moment while I'm here. Enjoy the moment. So, you know, I got to ask the juicy relationship questions because who Ooh, would I'm I be ready. if I'm I didn't? The fifth. Let's get it. If you had the opportunity to work it out with your ex fiance, would you mm-hmm. take that opportunity? Yep. You would? Yep. 
Uh, you're so honest. Um, so what's, what's the next steps then, like relationship-wise? Um, right now I'm in a space where I'm, I'm still in a growth space, to be honest with you. And I like the space that I'm in. And I don't want to ruin that for anything or anybody um, because I feel like, um, I don't know. I don't know for real, but I know that where I'm at, I like where I'm at. And like I said at the beginning of this podcast, I don't want to never put myself in another position where I am looking for something or anyone to that I feel like I need something or anyone. Um, so whenever, whenever I get to that space again, it's going to be like you know, a mutual type of situation. And um, I definitely don't want to feel like I need a job. So that's what I'm going to have to do. That feels, that, that space is good. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of places I want to be. Uh, a lot of- Are you alluding to the fact that relationships are expensive? Uh, relationships are expensive. Interesting. That's an interesting question. Um. It depends on how you look at it. I'm from the South, so I, I I always pick up bills. Like, it doesn't have to be, like, a girlfriend. Like, it could be friends. Like, that's just how I am. If I can, I will. And, um, you know, I was having this discussion on my podcast. Shout out to the Cut the Check podcast. If everybody listening, you want to listen to... Shameless plug. <laughs> some of our stuff. We was recently talking about uh, my boy Dom. I can drop Dom's name on here. That's my homie. And uh, he was like... Yeah, me and my girl about to move in together, and we about to split the rent. I split split the rent. She <laughs> let you. She let you split the rent. Like that's 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 not that's like unbeknownst to me. Like I don't know. I don't know. I, that, I'll so if you were that's so interesting to me. If you were dating a woman who wanted to split the rent, would you let her? No, I wouldn't. Wow, so so bold, and but okay, I, I'm not even mad. First of all, you you have, are. first of all, we have to split the rent. We living outside our means. You feel me? <laughs> if we got split the rent, we living outside our means. Facts. Um, I'm not mad at that. Um, but to clarify, you don't have any problems with a strong woman who brings in large sums of money. No, keep your money. But uh, uh, keep your money. I feel that. I am not mad at that. Yeah, keep your money. Like, and and the funny thing with Dom, I was like, "How much is your rent?" I was thinking it was like two thousand, three thousand. It was nine hundred dollars rent. <laughs> I was like, "Bruh, you got to be kidding me!" There's no way. I, I don't know. Maybe I just haven't been with those type of girls that would be like, "Yo, I gotta. You, I'm gonna bring my four fifty for the rent today." I'm gonna be like four fifty. You know what I'm saying? Like four fifty. Like I don't know. It's just my. It's just my thought process. I'm very structured. I'm trying to get unstructured. And I've been raised in a very like Bible Belt type of way. And where I'm born, where I'm raised is that man handle the bills, man handle, you know, you know, all that stuff. You don't let your woman pick up a finger for nothing like that. That's so interesting. Like I, you know, at the beginning used to like splitting. Like I, I feel like it gave me a little bit more control. Um, and maybe not even yeah, control, that's the right word. Let's be honest. I like control. But when People, especially men, paid for me. I felt like I owed them something and I hated feeling indebted to people. So it took me, which is so funny. I don't feel indebted to my daddy and he pays for everything. Um, But other men outside of my dad, um, it took me a long time to allow people to do for me and not feel guilty or feel like I had to like pay them back. Um, so it is very interesting to hear your perspective as well. Cause I would feel uncomfortable living with someone. I mean, I, I don't plan to do that until I get married, but I'd feel uncomfortable living with someone and not splitting the rent. Like, I don't want you to think I'm freeloading. Well, in a relationship, do you want to, I mean, if you're in a relationship, can you be freeloading or are you roommates? There's a difference. Oh, true. Now, mm, now you're getting in my business. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, there's a difference are you roommates or are we like are you partners because i guess to be a partnership doesn't mean you know you both bring things to the table and it doesn't have to mean that you're bringing finances to the table you could be bringing lots of other valuable things yeah yeah, um, besides the money i've heard heard that argument before um so would you let a woman pay for you like would you ever let a woman pay for you pay for what movies anything food (laughs) (laughs) uh 
I don't know. I've never been in that situation. I've never been the person that like lost my wallet or anything like that. If I can't, we not. Like I'm not going to show up to somewhere knowing I ain't got no cut, knowing knowing I ain't got no. <laughs> so um, like I don't. I would never put myself in that situation. I read this article about this guy. I can't remember his name. He's an influencer, so the story might not be that good. Uh, but he was bragging about how he was able to you know, go to take a trip to Atlanta for multiple days and only spend $150. And I was like, wow, that's impressive. But when you read like into the article about how he was able to do it, you know, Mm -hmm. he'd do a lot of explaining like, oh, I met this girl and she paid for my meal. And then I met this other girl and she paid for my room. And then I met this other girl. And I was like, you didn't, this is not an article about learning how to spend wisely. You're just asking women to pay for things. I know I feel about that. Yeah, that's a lot right there. That's a lot. Um, me personally, like, I got some advice for some men out there. If you don't got no coins or you feel like somebody's going to have to pay for you, you don't need to go. You don't need to go. You need, <laughs> you, need to sit, you need to sit at home and you need to figure out how to make more money. Me and on the CTC podcast, we say this. Listen, the only solution, if you if if your, um, if your situation is the fact that, you know, like, we can only afford this and your girl is expecting more than that, then you need to make more money. That's the bottom line. Listen. You either need to make more money or the girl just needs to be okay with where you at. And if she's not okay with where you at, she might not be the right one. This is the thing, though. It's a, sli- it's a thing called a slippery slope. And that's what I was telling my man on, on my podcast is a fact. It's a slippery slope. So y'all splitting the rent, right? 450 450 And um, one day, she's short. That's cool. Is it okay for him to be short? Mm. <laughs> that's real. I would say both people are held up to... The same expectation, so it's not okay for either to be short. Hell no! Nah. I already know how that's gonna go. It's, it's, <laughs> the top, the stopwatch has just started to the end of the relationship. Bing. Uh, <laughs> uh, relationship advice with Chase. <laughs> hey, I'm just keeping it 100 on here. Listen, so. I appreciate that. You know, we tell the truth. We don't, we don't worry about anything but the truth on this podcast. Um, yeah. I appreciate you taking the time to have this conversation with me. Um, You know, my intention, I probably should have started with my intention, um, but my intention is in talking to you is to kind of provide a beacon of light for people who might feel like their life is falling apart because it doesn't look the way they thought it would look. Um, And to provide a little bit of hope because your life might not be what you thought it was going to, but that doesn't mean it's not going to be spectacular It doesn't mean things aren't going to fall into place exactly the way they're meant to. And sitting in that waiting place, you know, you mentioned you were in a space for a year of like trying to get through getting cut on the NFL. Sitting in that waiting place can be so hard, but waiting works. Like waiting works. I promise you spending time with yourself, you know, really getting back to and figuring out, returning to who you are, asking yourself what you're passionate about, what your purpose is. Taking the time to do all of that is so important. Um, so thank you. Is there anything else you want our listeners to know? Any last words of wisdom? Last words of wisdom. What is on my mind today? What is what's on, my on mind? your mind to share? I don't know what's on my mind today. I usually live. I, I usually leave y'all with some fire. But this has been a good podcast. To be honest with you, like um, I don't really even know if there's a, like I feel like we touched on so much stuff. And, you know, I ain't gonna lie, when I got on here, I was a little bit of, um, I was a little nervous because, you know. I made I know, you nervous. <laughs> I know because uh, K-Trill, first of all, I call K-R, K-Trill. And uh, that is because I know, first of all, I listened to Jess's podcast and it was like, oh, this is some high vulnerability stuff right here. I don't even know if I can get to those levels. You know what I'm saying? But no, I think that it was pretty open and um, I didn't play the fifth one time. And I'm happy about my performance. You're um, so competitive. <laughs> You're so competitive. Happy, about, happy about my performance. I want, I'm, I'm willing to let that performance sit out there. So uh, this is what I want to tell you guys is that you are capable. Capable is my word for 2020. And one thing I was doing when I was down was I told myself, and I didn't even mention this in the podcast, but I told myself, put your cape back on. Put your cape back on because at the end of the day, you got to be a superhero. If nobody else is thinking that you're a superhero, you got to be a superhero to yourself. And then be your own superhero. I'm here for it. So I had to tell myself when I got cut in football, put your cape back on. 
Like, this isn't you. You can be better than this. These thoughts aren't your thoughts. When my relationship went down the drain, like, put your cape back on. Who are you? What are you doing? Put your cape back on. You are capable. Let's go. You are capable. Hey, y'all. Also, I just want to say, Chase had like a brief time of like trying to be a rapper. He had this song. Remember back in college? What you know about my city? What you know about my city? First of all, I'll just take a hiatus from rapping. I think I might get back into the game. So oh, my goodness. 2021, 2022, sometime like that, I might come back. So everybody that, you know, like Kiara that knows my songs, what you know about my city? You know what, what you saying? know about my city? Yeah, I got some other hot ones out there that people are still talking about. But. Uh, well, I am going to leave them with that. What do they know about your city? Um, thank you for listening to this podcast, to this episode of Sworn Testimonies, and we will see you next week.